is there a moment or two that stand out like a a do-over like oh god if i could just go back and and have that situation go differently or have that what i said or the meeting done the higher what 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 jumps out for you and i know i'm putting you on the spot here but yeah no it's a couple (laughs) things i think it's um don't wait until you're gonna pop you know, mm-hmm. and I and I and I say that because there was a moment in my early years of Microsoft when Microsoft was pretty intense. You know, yeah. in the early two thousands, you know, oh three, oh four, oh five, and it was pretty, pretty crazy. And I was being pushed by my first manager there out of the ten I had, by the way, right. in nine years, <laughs> uh, which is crazy. Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. My name is Chris Obst. I've spent the last 25 years going deep with leaders on the real challenges they face, the stuff that keeps them up at night. Are you ready for raw and honest conversations and the reality that self-leadership and personal growth are the keys to you being the leader that you were meant to be? All right, so uh, yeah, we got a chance to share a Negroni together last night. I I mentioned that I hadn't had one in a while. is this a new drink for you? It is. My wife tells me they're the hot thing within the uh, adult community. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I need to get on the train. Get on, get on the Negroni train. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a good idea. Which I think is a good train to get on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I think we've we've done the margaritas to death, and uh, I think it shows a, a level of sophistication for men, <laughs> men of our age. <laughs> this season, right? Too to switch drinks of choice from gin and right. tonics to uh, to more uh, dark colored uh, drinks. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, I, I have Brad Myers with me, who's someone uh, we just discovered. We've known each other for 14 years, and I was really excited to have you. When you told me you are in Vancouver, I wanted to have you on the podcast. Um, you know, you and I have a great history together, have had lots of great conversations around leadership. Um, y- you've had a really exciting career with lots of changes and, and growth, and I think there's some, uh, some wisdom and experience that you've got to share. So, uh, I know you're a Vice President of Services at Splunk. Um, maybe if you wouldn't mind spending a couple minutes just just telling us what your role is and tell us about Splunk as an organization. Sure. Um, well, first of all, you were a big part of my career, so I want to give you a plug. You know, where where needed, but we'll get into that. I'm sure. As I a, hope so. Yeah, I hope, I hope we can spend a lot of time on that. Uh, well, it's a pleasure. I I uh, thanks for having me too. Uh, we um, I joined Splunk about four years ago in the role of this vice president of services focused on the americas latin latin america and north america okay splunk is a is a data to everything company which we call it my kids cringe when they hear the word data collection these days because they think people are spying on them and Mm -hmm. stuff but it's not as much uh mining the data as it is organizing the data so all these companies out there like starbucks and when you shazam a song or Mm -hmm. you walk into a store Everything's collected from the data perspective of what they want us to do, how we react. And Splunk takes the data that's already there, so we're not fishing for it, so right. don't think we're evil. <laughs> uh, we just organize it better, uh, the data that's provided to companies. And it's usually completely unorganized. It's coming out of an exhaust pipe, completely randomized, and we put it in a very usable manner so people can tailor things to our benefit. So when we go into Starbucks, they may give us a special, you know, on the app or a pizza place. And they say, you know, you got $10 off today. So it's it's that kind of organization around uh, the consumer right? Um, that Splunk uh, does a really good job of and really is best of class. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's very cool. So, so where did that name come from? Splunking, <laughs> which I, you know, I didn't know either when I joined. And everybody always sort of turns their head when they hear the company Splunk. 
but its spelunking is like going deep into a canyon or a cave and exploring, oh. which I had to look it up. At. I won't be on, you know, I will be <laughs> honest. You know, it was it was something where I didn't know, and that was the heritage of the data mining, the data organization, the data, you know, recovery of stuff. Right. Was that spelunking concept? Got it. Okay. So now you're a VP in a, in in a company that that does a lot of great things with data. You and I met in in and we were discussing this over dinner last night in in 07, 2007. Long time ago. Long time ago. Um and you were really just starting your leadership journey. You were in a high potential program uh at a a little software company that people do know called Microsoft. And uh, it was my first engagement. It was my first big engagement um, with with Microsoft. And uh, I remember doing a presentation on energy management and and you came up to me during the break and we had this little connection. And then um, we were uh, part of your leadership journey was they provided coaching for the high potentials. Right. And I think you had paired with someone and then you said, no, I'd like I want, I want, I want this guy as yeah. my coach. Yeah, so get my interest more. <laughs> yeah, so so we had uh, we started our relationship there, and then over the years, um, you know, you've you've grown your your career, you've managed teams, and you've brought me in. I you know, I think a lot of the uh, the fun trips. One thing I've always appreciated about you is you like going to nice places. I do, I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so I've done work in New York City and in Las Vegas and in That's right. uh, where, where else did we go together? Anyway, yeah. there's usually a good restaurant. Uh, yep. Uh, and there's usually this investment in your people and, and your teams. And I think that's, you know, one of the areas where you and I have this this unique passion or, or um, similar passion to each other. So I guess what I was wondering about, you know, you that was 07, right? Yep. Are there moments along the way, like big moments in your career that stand out like inflection points as, as you think about the journey you've been on? Well, I had yeah, definitely. It's it goes back to leadership, which you and I have had so many discussions around, and the different leaders that I've had, and I've sworn to take all those learnings, and you've helped me, by the way, along the way here, and and taken the 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 best and the worst out of them and applied them, you know, to my own style and culture, um, and I've had more bad ones than good ones, you know, in that journey, unfortunately. Um, there have been a few good ones that uh, I've had yellers, by the way, you know, <laughs> which is always fun. And you have to kind of toughen up through that yelling. And I've had, um, you know, people that just aren't fair and all of the above on, on bad bosses that we've all had. But then you have those special nuggets that there's only been two of them, really. Uh, two and a coach, you know, that I'm looking at, right? <laughs> uh, you know, that's kind of emphasized that along the way, which they were better listeners, uh, they allowed you to be more free and, and work on your instincts and your experience rather than just kind of being, you know, do what they're telling you to do, um, right. freelance a little more. And I think um, those are the ones that also had a big focus on culture. Back to your point of eating well and nice meetings and taking care of your people. And I, there was a story once where I was at Microsoft and I remember one of the bad leaders said, I don't know if you're tough enough, you know. And I, and I was on a park bench and we were having a t- coffee and he, you know, for this next job. And I don't think you're going to be a good candidate. And I thought, well, that's kind of screwy, you know, because right, <laughs> right, right. I don't think you need to be tough. And I've really learned that you don't need to be a yeller or, uh, or tough. You need to be there for your team and mm-hmm. put them in a position to succeed. I always say that. Mm-hmm. It sounds corny, 
mm-hmm. but it's something that if you're genuine about it and you can't fake it because people know if you're faking it yeah um it comes through in spades and they'll they'll i always say they'll run up the hill for you rather than you know drag their feet like your kids do you know and yeah <laughs> and, and I, it's, it's funny as i've uh, followed you in your career i know there's also people that have followed you i know you i've seen you have two or three people a little entourage yeah i end up on your team when you end up in a new role or a new organization and i think that says a lot about the type of leader you are uh that they would follow you and and also that that you recognize the value of having good people around you um i just want to i want to tease something out here because you said like okay so you've worked for the yellers or the bad bosses can, can you describe the difference? Because I remember a time in your career where you had just come out of a string of two or three, what we would call bad bosses who weren't, they didn't seem invested in your career. They didn't have your back. Yeah. And then you, you ended up with a good one. Mm-hmm. And I remember the feeling that, and, and some of the words you said, but I'd love to, to, the listeners to hear in your words, that what it felt, how it felt different for you to have a, a boss, a manager you reported to who truly did support you? Well, it's euphoric, <laughs> you know. I mean, it, it really is. Um, it's it's liberating almost, you know. And it's so um, sadly rare, you know, in this day and age of corporate America. And um, you know, and I and I go back to when I worked for Agilent, um, and it was really just being more caring and uh, reasonable at times, which is hard for corporate America when you're talking mm. about results and shareholders. Uh, you know, and annual meetings and all this kind of stuff that's were wrapped around in the corporate life, it's hard for people to be human. Mm. Um, and I think the ones in the two I can think of, it's actually my current manager. She's fantastic, which we can talk about. And then this one um, back in the day in 2002, when I really broke into leadership, he's the one that took the chance on me. And he happened to be one of the best, you know, of the two. Um, he was one that just was more nurturing and understanding and, and just, um, and didn't, you know, I don't want to say he wasn't demanding because he was. Right. And, he, you know, he cared about results just like everybody should. Yeah. But it was his approach. Um, and I think just, it's hard to put my finger on it uh, specifically, but I, I do think it's just putting people in a position to succeed is how the mentality you have to have. Yeah. Rather than just tell, 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 yell, 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 or whatever. Right. Um, when I'm doing a session, live in person, you know, facilitating a group and I hear about a great leader, I always say, tell us their name. Because I think, you know, there are, like you said earlier, I think it's rare. It's more rare to have a great leader. Um, and I think that they deserve that. There should be a legacy. And, and I'm I'm hoping or imagining that in, you're hoping one day that someone will be in a session, they'll say, and they'll get asked, tell us about the best leader you work for. Uh, yeah. And they'll say, Brad Meyer. So are you comfortable sharing the names of these two leaders? Oh, and, sure. and we can edit out if you're not. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I'll just say first names. Just okay, in case. great. You yeah. know, uh, Michael was the one in the past, and yeah. and the current one is, her Her name is Tony. Uh, okay. Uh, Tony Pavlovich, who is, I'm very comfortable saying. Okay. And, and I hope she listens to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've, I've met Tony, and, yeah. and uh, so, so what... What would you say as, you know, when you're, you're a senior guy in the organization and, and obviously she's senior to you, what does she do? What's, what, what is it about her leadership style or the way she communicates with you that, that, that helps you see her in this light, that well, you do she, feel supported? Um, not only is she just good from the corporate sort of typical standard, but she's holistic. You know, I think that's a good word choice because she, she looks at my current job and my responsibilities that I have to Splunk and my results that I need to, to, to you know, provide and the team uh, component of it. But, but she also looks at it, like I said, holistically, which is, 
I mean, it sounds corny once again, but how's your family? Is everything okay on the other side of your life? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a big influence on how you perform mm-hmm. at times in, in your job. Yeah. And so I don't think she, want to say she worries about that, but she cares about that. And, right. and that makes a huge difference. Um, I heard a story once, and I was telling you last night at dinner uh, about the Four Seasons barista being interviewed you know, for something. And, and they asked him, wow, you seem so happy about your job. And the guy asked, well, why are you so happy? Because, you know, you're just a barista here, you know, and, which is uh, a story in itself. But the barista said, well, I'm so happy because all my managers do is ask me what they can do for me, mm. you know, and how, how they can, how, how can I help you? And that's the right approach if you're a people-oriented leader. Right. You know, which, which Tony has in spades. Yeah. And I would say Michael in the past um, was really the entry in it for me. Yeah. Do you think there'll be a time down the road where you or I won't feel the need to say, I know it sounds corny. <laughs> I know. It's a, tra- it's a change. There are so many changes in life, right, in the last 10 to 15 years of things like that, where you, you know, it's almost like a disclaimer, like you have to say it still, you know, but I, I do think it's becoming more normal. The things that I went through at Microsoft in the day and, you know, reviews and so forth, and the things that, frankly, I put up with mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't be tolerated now. You know, back to your point of saying it's corny, you know, just to kind of, you know, get through that moment of the discussion. Right. Um, it, it's funny how things have changed, you know, and I just look back at the things that I went through, which have toughened me up. And I also am very sensitive to it when I when I hear it now. And I'm, you know, my hackles go up as far as PTSD, you know, on the whole thing. Yeah. As yeah. far as, um, whoa, you know, red alert, don't go there. You yeah. know, um, you know, blast from the past a little bit. I think, you know, it's funny. Uh, you said it's toughened you up and, and you had that that leader question your toughness years ago. And I know um, part of my leadership journey when I was in a corporate world and leading was that that. I had a coach say to me, you got to toughen up, right? And, you know, where I know you and I are similar is we are what you'd call heart-centric leaders. We are uh, people-focused. and it's, We're in vogue now. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> finally, right? Um, but, but, you know, that was something, certainly as a male, I remember feeling the need to almost hide that. There was some some shame around being, you know, a sensitive leader. Totally. It, it came way easier to praise people and give them a slap on the back than to hold their feet, their fire, kick their ass, yeah. right? Um and there is part of maturing and, and, and you know, there, there's a, there's some protocols you got to get your head around and getting outside of your comfort zone. Um, you know, one, one conversation you and I had a handful of years ago was I had noticed a shift in you because, you know, again, we got to work together early in both of our careers. And I noticed a shift in, in your focus and your style of leadership. Um, and we we touched on it at dinner last night, and I, and I was I was referring to you used to say, well, how do I spin this? Mm-hmm. Um, are are you comfortable just sharing like that? There must have been a moment when you felt something shift for you, and and maybe just talk about what that was. Well, I think it's there's some themes to that of confidence and experience, you know, when that sounds typical once again. But I do think there is something to be said where experience going through it i always say now my lens is so much clearer on things right Mm. than it was 10 years ago i can see things you know that that's not going to make it that's going to develop they're going to be great we got to work on them you know those things are much more clear now okay that's just i think experience and confidence in that experience sure trust 
Um, but I also think, you know, when you're in your younger years, which, which we all were, uh, it's definitely something where you have to get past that point where you're worried more about yourself than the others mm. around you. Uh, and, and that's a fine line of that crossover moment, too, where you're trying to promote yourself, you're trying to make more money, you're trying to get more glory, whatever it might be, and you have to self-promote. Part of that's the culture of certain corporations, too. Right. That self-promotion factor, which I think is different now with corporations. Um, but when you get past that and you can say, well, actually, all of my success and all of my uh, you know, futures and greatness is going to be through the people. Mm-hmm. And if you can enable them and you're promoting them rather than yourself, that's the switch that goes off of when you become sort of great. Yeah. You know, which is yeah. what you want to find. It's there, hard for people. I, I believe it. Yeah, and it, you've it, coached some, I think. I have, <laughs> and I, you know, and I've been through it. And I, I know for me, it, it feels like ego. Like when I, when I let go of the need to be, the need to be great or to be seen or to get praise or recognized, feels uh, good. Feels good. It does feel good. And you know. and and then to have the confidence in, like, there's going to be an outcome from from me letting go of that. To to, it's kind of liberating too, right? It is. Yeah. It is. And it's funny how great things become start to fall into place if you go there. Yeah. Which it's hard to go there because you're frankly back to being tough. You're not coached to do that as you're being trained and you're growing and you're younger and you're, you know, trying to survive and move up in the world, as they say. You know, so it's it's a it's a tough one that you kind of cap- happens organically. Yeah, I think I remember being in in meetings uh, in my 30s, and I was a vice president, not in a big company um, like Splunk or Microsoft, but 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 still had a lot of responsibility and and that that little bit of imposter syndrome. <laughs> and I remember being in meetings and hearing um, like acronyms or buzzwords that my client was saying or someone in the industry was saying and I had no clue what they were talking about yeah. and and my Faking it. yeah and my ego would not let me go well, wait what what is that mm-hmm. what does that mean mm-hmm. I couldn't do it I had to pretend that I freaking knew it all and totally. that I had everything under control and <laughs> letting go of that for me was huge do, are there uh, moments in your uh, career where you I, felt it's funny you say that because as you were sitting there i'm like well everything i've done at splunk is every and i and i we called it the costanza effect right last night <laughs> right which right. is i do everything i used to not do and it seems to be working now a lot better you know which is uh you know don't don't be whatever or just say what you think and don't be afraid if it's like my big line and, and my boss loves this now is you know, I don't, I don't understand this. You know, that's a great de- uh, de-arming kind of mechanism for your team to yeah. feel open to talk about a tough subject and, and not make them feel vulnerable that they're not as smart as you and all that kind of stuff. So if you can kind of disarm them so they can flow information better by disarming yourself, like I, I just, my, my classic line, I don't get it, you know, and, and I just sort of throw my hands up like I just did. Yeah. And, and, and people are like, oh. You know, and it, and it lets the conversation go into right, places where it right. usually wouldn't go because they're afraid of the boss or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's really powerful. Yeah, interesting. And I think it has to be sincere, right? Because you've been around those leaders with that false modesty where they they actually do know the answer and they're just playing dumb. And yep. we, we know that, that that sends up a little signal to people's amygdalas and, and, and all of a sudden they, don't, they stop trusting because like, oh, you're faking, you're not being sincere. Totally. So one of the topics that... Um, that I'm really focused on when I'm working with, with my coaching uh, clients is, is this idea of vulnerability and authenticity as a leader. And um, I think, you know, you and I just touched on the fact that 
in our earlier in our career we we avoided showing vulnerability when i say to you what does vulnerability look like what what does that mean as a leader now what what comes to mind well, first of all, I'm, my wife's a family therapist, so I'm always right. being told to be vulnerable because, to your point, it's the hot thing. Everybody listens to Brene Brown, right? Right, and, and it's, right. And she's probably made millions of being more vulnerable for all of us. Yeah, she's, so, she has made it okay. Yeah. And so you're saying Amy kicks your ass and keeps she you... She does. Yeah. I always get the eyebrow raised to be <laughs> vulnerable. Um, but, I, but I think what that means to me in sort of my normal world of, of my life is, is not being perfect. There's a, mm. there's a, there's a persona and, and, and I'll even say, tell you about a story here. But I think it, there is that you have to be perfect in the corporate world or life maybe too, you know, right. back to my wife's therapy yeah. stuff. And you don't have to be, everybody's no. not perfect. You know, everybody's got, we were talking about our health issues last night and yeah, yeah. You know, all our little woes and aches and pains and stuff. And, and it's okay. And some people feel like you have to shield that stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually telling the story about it, and, and I, you could call it being vulnerable or putting yourself out there, you know, one or the other, maybe the same, um, is okay. And it almost, like I said, relaxes people a bit where then they can tell their story and, and be more free in their approach to things and, and life and hopefully results, right? If you're talking about sometimes corporate, you know, things that are important. Um, so I think it's that. I think it's... I do think it's being um, not worrying about being perfect. Yeah, you know, is a good way to look at and defining you know vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I know when I um, when I went through listening to Brene Brown and really digging into vulnerability, I wasn't working in a corporate environment, um, and and so I was thinking about in my life where I could show more vulnerability and just see like does this shit really work? <laughs> and um, you know, at the time, my kids were probably later in their teens. And I realized that as a father, I had put on myself this responsibility to know it all, to have all the answers and to get it all right. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, when this wasn't a game, it was like, okay, where can I really try this out? And and, and with both my kids, I I found myself saying, well, I, I, I kind of don't know. I, I was going <laughs> to just say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually scared. I don't, I don't, I've never done this before. Yep. And the change in them in how they responded to me, the way they felt about themselves, the way they looked at me, was it was palpable. Yep. And I found myself going, you doughhead, why didn't you do this uh, 10 years earlier? My, I went back to changing diapers. Right? I don't know how to do it, right? <laughs> I know. Right. You know, and it's okay. Like if you, you know, crisscross it the wrong way and all that, and it's it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, uh, people okay don't need don't us know. to be perfect, do they? Yeah. And, and if you're, you know, you're growing if you don't know, right? Yeah. Then you're probably learning something. Yeah. It's, it is, you know, I feel like we've said liberating a few times. <laughs> there's there's something to this. So, in the spirit of uh, vulnerability, looking back on, on your career, um, is there a moment or two that stand out like a, a do-over like oh god if i could just go back and and have that situation go differently or have that what i said or the meeting done the higher what 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 jumps out for you and i know i'm putting you on the spot here but yeah no it's a couple (laughs) things i think it's um don't wait until you're gonna pop you know, mm. and I and I and I say that because there was a moment in my early years of Microsoft when Microsoft was pretty intense. You know, yeah. in the early two thousands, you know, oh three, oh four, oh five, and it was pretty 
pretty crazy. And I was being pushed by my first manager there out of the 10 I had, by the way, right. in nine years, <laughs> uh, which is crazy. And, uh, and I was uncomfortable and he was pushing me to new levels, frankly. Now that I reflect back, mm-hmm. uh, he was pushing me and right. it was a good moment of my development, but I was super uncomfortable to the point where I was keeping it all inside. And then finally, you know, it was, it was six months into it. I had this uh, this epiphany breakfast with him. I remember and said, "We got to meet," mm-hmm. you know, and and I just unloaded on him, and he was just watching me. And I and he and he said, "I get it. I get everything you said, but why didn't you tell me this sooner?" You know, back to the do over <laughs> moment. Like I kept it inside for so long because I I was afraid to show I wasn't perfect, and I didn't actually understand what they were talking about on certain things, and I was faking it, you know, to get by and and learning as you go. And you didn't want to really show that, especially at Microsoft in that day and age. But, but after that famous breakfast I've referenced many times in speeches and talks, you know, and stuff of, of, of talk, talk it out if things were not right. Um, he was one of my best managers. You know, he was probably number three, you know, yeah. <laughs> on the list of the first two I mentioned earlier. So, uh, so what, if you were to take yourself back there, why did you hold back? Why did you wait until it, you almost popped about it? Um... I mean, you know, I was nervous. <laughs> you know, I think that's a weird word to say, right? And and everybody feels it, but you don't want to say it. Right. Uh, and and I think great place we're in here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the, the uh, foghorns fog coming through. We're uh, overlooking <laughs> English Bay right now. Just could, just could be to a worse spot. People jealous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's definitely. Um, I was nervous, you know, and I and you and I was younger in my career. Back to that confidence, you don't have mm-hmm. it. And you have to find that. But now that I've gone through that, back to now I just embrace that whole nervousness. Like, I don't get it or I don't understand this. You know, that's a nervous moment of I might be telling the truth or I might be just trying to pull things out of people too. Right. Which is, I don't want to call it a trick, but it's just making people feel at ease to you know, have better discussion. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's. Um, I think it's a strategy, right? To, it's to make, an approach. Yeah, to, you know? to keep people comfortable. Strategy and, sounds too intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that you just made me think about. I, I've had so many conversations with senior people in organizations like yourself, and and when I ask them about, um, you know, the rung that reports to them, and I say, what what could they do differently? They say, speak up. Mm-hmm. I can't read your mind. If you think the meetings are too long or your travel schedule is too hectic or you'd rather work from home two days a week or come and ask me, <laughs> come and tell me. And so many times these conversations just don't happen. And it's, it's, it's from this fear of, well, everyone else is working till 10 p.m. and online and we're afraid to speak up. And yet when I talk to the people... That, that these mid-level managers are intimidated by or afraid to talk to, they say, no, I want you to have a, a balanced life. I want you to go to yoga. I want you to see your kids play baseball. It's good. Well, come talk to me. Uh, but people are afraid <laughs> to do it, afraid to be vulnerable to go there and show like, I need some downtime. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could use a little food, by the way. Right. You know, or I'm just burnt. You know, it's time to call it a day. So how do we change you know? that? I mean, I do feel there's a pendulum swinging and I think the pandemic has had, it's interesting, we haven't touched on the pandemic. We've been talking for a while, and maybe we should spend a little time on that, but... but Open people up. Yeah, like how, yeah. Do, we, how do we help people it, connect those dots? Oh, well, it's amazing <laughs> how people are now worried about people's well-being so much more, right? You know, and I had, in the early pandemic uh, days or months, whatever it was, in that spring of, 
like it's a type of time warp, right? The world these days. But I had the total Zoom fatigue, and I was sending my boss articles on it, you know, and saying, "This is real," you know. And and it's funny because as we learn from that Zoom fatigue and all the meetings of eight hours of videos, to the point of, "Hey, it's okay to be off video," you know. It's like we we went so extreme on it right. to personalize our remote life. Now, you know, you can find that hybrid of things. And I think the hybrid is the sweet spot, which is, you know, keeping meetings short and tight. If you have an offsite, don't drag it out to four uh, days, keep it to a day and a half. You know, those types of little tweaks of what we've learned with some of the good things of the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of terrible things, obviously, um, you know, have been really, like you say, liberating. You know, where we don't have to disarm things by little comments like corny and all that stuff right, that we talked right. about. You know, it's sort of all of a natural and a new way of being. Yeah. Which yeah. is cool. Very cool. What are you most proud of? If you think back to your, you know, and your career's not over. Yeah. <laughs> but, but into, you know, are there one or two leadership moments where, where you actually could reflect on and say, you know what, that was great leadership? For me, that I, I am proud of what I did here with somebody, with a team, with an individual, with a situation. I think it's staying true to uh, my DNA. You know, I was always coached and taught and 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 you know developed into, like I said, being tougher mm-hmm. or uh, you know being smarter or whatever. But you know, when it falls back to you, you got to fall back to your roots and your DNA and what your chemistry is. And mm-hmm. it's, and, and I stuck with it. I sort of strayed. You know, and tried to be a little tougher at one point and all that, but but bottom line, it came back to, I care about my people. Mm-hmm. I empower them to make good decisions. I appreciate their point of views. Uh, I look after their well-being holistically. Um, from you know, I you, you you can't always be yelling and kicking them in the ass, you know, <laughs> but but occasionally they need a nudge. Sure. Um, and when you do it more occasionally, it's more meaningful. Um, and I think just staying to my core. Uh, you know, as I put my hands in the air, being Brad yeah. uh, and my style, which, you know, I would say it works. Back to your point of people wanting to be a part of it. Yeah. And to me, that sounds like authenticity, right? Uh, like, like like being being true to yourself and who you are, as opposed to trying to mimic, uh, you know, a manager you had earlier in your career or your current manager or, you know, someone you saw on TV or, or what have you. I, I remember coaching a client who, who took all his cues from the the most hard-ass uh, football coaches in collegiate football. And so that's how he treated his people because right. to him, that's the model of leadership. And that may work for some places, right? And right. I've found the place at Splunk, and we, we say when we're actually interviewing people, and I'm very thankful to have found Splunk, you know, are they Splunky enough? You know, which is which is a f- real thing. Like the funkier you are, the splunkier you are, and that is um, something we actually look for when you're, we're interviewing people. Which is, are they passionate enough? Are they funky enough? Are they fun? Um, you know, and those are just luckily traits that I've found at a great company. Right. You know, that so, fit my fit my style. Yeah. So the organization is encouraging you to be true to yourself. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. What a novel concept. Rare. Yes. Yeah. Very rare. Um, so you, you and I met in a, in a coaching environment and, and again, early, earlier days for you and I, as, as you think back on what coaching, what it's done for you in your career, how it's supported you, helped you, what, what comes to mind? Blind spots. You know, I mean, everybody's got them yep. and you can't see them, you know, and it's um, it's really just pointing those out uh, in a third party manner. That sounds so official. Right. You know? Right. But but I think it is somebody you need somebody to 
um, evaluate you. That sounds a little harsh too, you know, yeah. but, but also just relate to you yeah. and, and pulling the things out of you that are the, the best things possible back to Brad here is not going to probably change too much. Right. Right. I'm, I've got my, my certain ways. So let's get the best out of those. Right. Yeah. Rather than try to mold you into something you're not. Right. And I think that is, um, that is where you need that coach, yeah. you know, to, to help you find in your inner strengths, if you will, right, of, of embracing that rather than trying to reinvent yourself. Yeah. One of the things I remember in, in our work together, um, and, and I think most clients I work with, is there's this feeling that you can actually open up. Like you've got someone in your corner, but, but we're not your manager. You know, we're not your parent. We're not your spouse. So, so it, it's like a, it's a nice little container to be vulnerable uh, where you're not being judged, but you are being challenged. You're, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've always said, well, and I feel like Chris was on my shoulder many times in my younger years, right? You know, and I'm going to be okay, right? Because Chris, you know, said it was going to be, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it's true. There is a confidence back to, that's a confidence check, right? Like you've hired a professional that can help you develop, like all of us in mental health. And, you know, I'm referencing my wife, you know, who... You know, it does that, and, and, and it's a good thing, right, to get advice on things and, and grow in areas that uh, you want to grow in. Yeah. You know, and, you, and you, you've you clearly helped in that. It was a big moment in my career, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's been, I don't take the work that I do lightly. Like, like thinking back to how you and I met and how you've evolved as a leader, and I'm I'm happy to say I played a role, I, a, a part of your growth I was worried, too, at one point. <laughs> you know, like in my mid-30s, you're always worried, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, and you helped me navigate some tough waters, which were, which were very tricky politically and... You know, and just growing up. Yeah, know, um, yeah. I, I feel in a way we, we did that we did that together. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Really fun. Um, you know, there's a story that I, that I tell, and I don't I don't know if you remember it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get it started and see what see what you recall. Uh-oh. So when I'm teaching uh, sessions on being present, on being focused, uh, on not multitasking, mm-hmm. um, I think back to a story. I don't remember what year it is, but I'm gonna say it was a few years into you and I knowing each other you had a back surgery, you were in the hospital, and at that time you were managing a global team. So you were having one-on-ones constantly, and then you got stuck in a hospital bed for a while, and you couldn't have your laptop in front of you, yet you had your phone and you're having your one-on-ones. Do you remember how you describe what changed in your one-on-ones when you were stuck in your bed with only your phone? Uh, I I know where you're going because (laughs) I still do it, and I turn off my monitor when I'm on calls with people to be more present. Um, and that's where I think you're going, right? Yeah, which yeah. Is, which is you're not distracted. You're you're all in on people. Yeah. And it's by the way, that's still hard to do. Of you course. Know? And, and and by the way, Splunk isn't. That's they're probably that's probably one of their negatives is we're crazy. You know, as far as chaos goes. You know, typicals. Yeah. There's a up. lot of information that you can access at any moment. And and people are always slacking now and emailing and texting and you know and and I still do your tricks. You know, which is I don't remember the hospital bed that much because I was probably drugged up the whole time too. Well, well I'll tell you. Didn't I'll, hurt, I'll you tell know? you the part that I repeat over yeah, and over yeah. to to people. I work with is that my client Brad said to me something happened uh, the quality of our one-on-ones increased we weren't spending more time on the phone mm-hmm. but the connection the quality of the connection and my team was responding and they were thanking me and appreciating and and what happened for you is because you couldn't have your laptop in the bed you weren't a gift. Like, cleaning up your inbox you weren't a- answering anything else you were purely focused and and that actually inspired me at that time. I was coaching some um, escalation engineers at that big software company. And 
some of them would go so deep into the technical parts of their job. I mean, they lost me within seconds. Yep. And I found myself, and I felt so much guilt and shame around this, like scanning my inbox as I'm on a coaching call. I mean, they're I turn away, I this. swivel my chair now still. Yeah, I don't I, turn I, off my monitor, I just well, swivel. Well, that, that trick, <laughs> I remember at this time, I would close the door in my office and I would turn my chair. I had a, like a, um, a whiteboard on the back of the door and had nothing on it. And what that did was remind me to just be purely present and not focus on nothing but the voice on the other end. And I, you know, it's it's funny because this was like I'm gonna say at least ten years ago, and that that little message I think is even more important now because of things like Slack and oh, uh, it's gotten worse, yeah, harder. And I hate and I've and I I have tried to avoid Slack and putting it on your phone and all this stuff too because it's too connected, right? But but it's life and you have to embrace it at some point. But but you can. To your point, I like your whiteboard idea, by the way. Um, you know, you can get around that. And, yeah. And, 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 and pe- by the way, people know when you're multitasking and stuff and doing things, especially I had an instance a week ago where we were interviewing somebody for a very important role on my team. And the feedback we got was the interviewer, not no names, on the panel that I established, you know, wasn't present on the interview. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I got that from the recruiter. And I still don't know who that was, but but it, you know, but not good, right? You know, back to could use a little Chris on that one, probably. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, and I struggle too. I mean, we're, we're talk, I'm a work in progress, but but presence, our presence, our energy is the greatest gift we have to share with with our teams. So, you know, I, I often find myself asking, well, where am I? Where, where am I supposed to be right now? And and whether it's with your kids or your spouse or your team. Or yourself, yeah. You know that, that it takes um, practice and and effort and habit to be purely present. Um, but I think that's when magic happens is yeah. when when we're able to stay focused. It's funny too. Back to the pandemic and getting now outside of the pandemic a little more. We're face to face here today. Yeah, it's pretty nice. cool, right? Very it, nice. But the power of that being present and like going to people too. You know, back mm-hmm. to that mode again of life, like going to visit people right. and spending time with them and eating with them, you know, yeah. rather than eating at your desk with them, you know, over a Zoom is is really uplifting, you yeah. know, I think for all of us. I think we of. took that for granted. I think, and I'd, I'd love to hear if there's other takeaways that you got from, you know, the pandemic and I mean, we're still in it, yeah. but it feels like we're, we're kind of, there's some light, but I was, I was working with a leadership team the first time I was, I, I got on a plane last week, I, I flew to Northern British Columbia to work with a leadership team and this team was formed just before the pandemic so they had never been together and what i saw happen with them in a day and a half i got goosebumps thinking about it it was transformation there was tension uh, in the team Uh, there was misunderstanding Uh, there was silos and just being able to sit together in a room to have a meal together to talk about some of this shit it changed the team and i was thinking wow and they all acknowledged we need to do this more often so i think pre-pandemic we took that for granted and we did too much of it where we were going i was flying eight hours for a 40-minute meeting right you know and so that was the crazyville on that other extreme <laughs> so now we hopefully we don't go back to that yeah we find that middle ground of the perfect you know always the middle middle of yeah and, w- and what's the right tool because there are there are um situations where i think a, a virtual meeting is the way to go it's it's cost effective it's efficient totally um and it doesn't mean we should have our calendar full with 
video conference meetings all day. No, which was painful too. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to see my peer, which whoever thought we would hire people without meeting them. <laughs> I mean, you know, right? it's crazy. I've hired multiple people, you know, a, a couple of handfuls now that I think back over the last two years almost, you know, of people I've I never really met until last June. Wow. You know, in person, which was, you know, just crazy. So you're, you're going to be meeting some of them? I'm going to go meet my peer next week in London, who I was covering. I took the, the EMEA responsibility for six months, and then they hired him in the May of the early pandemic. And I'm going over there next week to spend some time with him. That's, my that, boss still hasn't even met him yet. Oh, <laughs> so exciting. I'm meeting her yeah. <laughs> to it, which she's jealous, I think. Yeah, no, and I'm sure they'll be excited <laughs> to meet you. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe in terms of wrapping this up, because honestly, I feel like we could we could talk yeah, all day. And I know we, you've got places to be. Um, thinking back to that, you know, mid-30s, say 35-year-old Brad that, that I met as a leader. And you and I can acknowledge that you have to go through the years and the bumps and the scrapes to, to get experience. But if you could help him, if there were two or three nuggets of wisdom or pearls that you could share with him to help him be more effective sooner, mm-hmm. what, what would you share? Uh, I would say relax, you know, which once again, to your point, it's kind of hard to do when you're going through that. Relax about what? Uh, just relax about being perfect. You know, people okay. know you're not perfect when you're 35 or you're 30 or you're less experienced. You don't even have to put an age on it, right? But, right. you know, it's 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 okay because everybody's been 30 and 35. Right, right. You know, so it's like chill. Everybody needs to relax. And I yeah. think um, the other thing that kind of popped in my head when you asked that question was I wish I would have networked better. Okay. You know, I, I worried about myself. Um, and my results. Remember when I was always like, "Oh, well, I've done this," right, you know, and right. my result. And I was like always ready to pull out my scroll of what I've done, <laughs> you know. And I think it, you know, and I go back to it's really back to the people part of it. I wish I would have networked more. I would have connected more with people rather than, frankly, worry about myself, right. you know, uh, too much. And so those are the things that come to the top of my and be and be grateful and gracious, mm. uh, which I think at times you skim across as well. Um, you know, when you're zipping through uh, thinking about yourself, you know, so I think being gracious to people and who have helped you or helping you at that point in time um, is something that's probably under, under underrated a little bit as well. Yeah, those you are... Know, which is, you're a little self-serving when you're in your low 30s sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Worry no. about where you're going to go have your next drink, you know, after yeah, work. Yeah, well, we were all that age, but I, I think those are good pearls. And um, Brad, I, I, I'd be shocked if there weren't a handful of people that, you know, down the road, if they were asked the question about a great leader, an inspirational leader that they work for, that, that your name doesn't come up. Um, I, I think you exemplify... Uh, being people focused, being vulnerable, uh, you know, still committed to results. And, and uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having some pride in what we do and growing our business and our organizations. Uh, but but I, I'm really excited that you joined me today. I, I hope the listeners enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And I'd, I would love to uh, tap you on the shoulder again. We could, you know, we could pick up this conversation and talk about, uh, you know, more specific leadership uh, topics or... Our Negroni Our Negroni, yeah, whatever the, the next <laughs> cocktail is. So, okay, so thank, thanks again for, for investing the time. I'm glad you called me. Enjoy the rest of your stay in, in our city. And um, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. The Real Leadership Podcast is produced by Chris Obst Leadership and Alive Creative Services. Thank you for listening.